Welcome back to the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. The amount of wildfires and major weather disasters is only increasing, stretching first responders and those trying to help very thin. A new program involving space technology, though, looks to help disaster response teams get a better sense of how much of an area has been affected. Andre Coleman is a senior data scientist at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. I spoke with him recently to learn more about the Rapid Analytics for Disaster Response, or RADAR system. The name uh, is uh, Rapid Analytics for Disaster Response, or RADAR, uh, R-A-D-R is the the acronym. Uh, So this is an effort we started uh, in 2014, uh, really with with the goal of using uh, overhead satellite imaging to assess damage uh, on the ground uh, during an event and after after, uh, an event, uh, an event being a a natural disaster uh, event. And in really the, the, the goal and, and objective there was to be able to turn around uh, damage assessments for large areas uh, within 24 hours of, of the initiate, initiation of, of, of those events. And then uh, uh, 24 hours thereafter uh, through, throughout the, uh, the, the duration of the event. And so uh, this was, was really about bringing together lots of different kinds of, of, of satellite imaging. Uh, platforms, uh, so both you know, electro le- electro optical uh, sensors as well as synthetic aperture radar uh, sensors, bring bringing all these uh, uh, all these elements together, and and really part of the reason for that uh, was was to get at this timing problem, where with with that objective of of trying to uh, get damage assessments within 24 hours, you know we're really subject to uh, the orbit trajectories of, of an individual satellite. Now, this this problem has has improved over over the years with uh, uh, advancements in, in in some of the microsatellites and, and the large constellations that we have out there. But um, you know, fundamentally, that that, that framework still uh, still applies. Where we're, we're going to develop algorithms against uh, specific sensors, uh, you know, derive the, the kind of analytics that we can out of that. Uh, and and really just doing all that we can do to uh, improve improve that timing and get those assessments uh, out uh, as fast as we can. So I'll, I'll say that that radar is really uh, intended and designed to be an all hazards uh, type of a system. Uh, the last uh, well, so so in in its roots, we we really focused on uh, hurricanes. Uh, wind events, flood events, uh, th- things of this nature. Uh, through the years, we we, we had also tackled uh, wildfire, uh, earthquakes, uh, landslides, and, and uh, tsunamis, and so forth. Uh, this last year, we really had a had a big emphasis on uh, uh, really improving the capability in, in the wild wildland fire uh, response. And and uh, so yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the efforts uh, uh, over that that last year were were really formalizing the, this fully automated uh, cloud-based system, tapping into into open access uh, satellite uh, data products, uh, applying uh, machine learning uh, algorithms uh, to to that imagery, and and really being able to derive mapping products that are that are similar to. Uh, you know, applying applying mapping standards, uh, you know, that are, that are already out there, and so and, and really getting and getting these products into the hands of some more progressive uh, incident commanders out there, uh, so they can take a look and see, well, you know, what what do they think of this? Is this is this useful or or, or is it not? 
So taking it from square one, what kind of hardware are we looking at? You're talking about satellite data. You know, are these big satellites? Uh, we just spoke with the Air Force Research Laboratory about their work with uh, nano satellites, smaller satellites. I imagine drones um, are also used in this. Uh, what kind of uh, I, or technologies are you uh, using for this project? Yeah. So so right now we're, we're really focused um, on sets of satellites that are uh, open access. And so these are domestic government or international uh, government satellites that, that make their, their data uh, freely available. Uh, so uh, we, we tap into satellites from uh, the European Space Agency, uh, Sentinel, Sentinels uh, 1 uh, and 2 primarily. Uh, we also make use of uh, uh, the Landsat uh, sensors, uh, NASA's uh, ASTER uh, sensor. Uh, AWIFS and, and LIST-3, which is a, a partnership between uh, NASA and the uh, Indian uh, Space um, uh, Organization. Uh, we, we've also tested a number of other sensors that maybe aren't, aren't applicable uh, specifically to the U.S., uh, such as CBERS. Uh, that's a, a Brazilian and, and Chinese uh, uh, satellite partnership. Uh, and then a number of uh, experimental uh, sensors, such as um, uh, NASA's uh, EcoStress, uh, sensor in, in the JEDI uh, sensor, which is a, a space-based uh, LIDAR sensor. Uh, so we have worked with a little bit with, with some of the uh, commercial entities out there, like like Planet Labs, uh, really looking to evaluate their their new uh, eight-band uh, uh, sensor. So that that would fall into the uh, into the micro microsatellite uh, category. Uh, but but really, what what's important for us, and in particular for Wildfire. Is is that we're we're tapping into sensors that can image in in shortwave uh, infrared, uh, mid infrared, and, and long long wave infrared, and and it's important to to use those those spectra just so that we are able to see through through smoke plumes, uh, and really get it get at what what's going on on the ground, uh, with. Uh, with all the electro-optical uh, sensors that we we have in the mix here, uh, clouds uh, still tend to be a problem. Uh, you know, even with those longer wavelengths, we uh, we, we can't we can't see through the clouds. Uh, and so that that's really where we've turned our attention to uh, sensors like like synthetic aperture radar, <clears throat> which which isn't really going to get us right. You know, to be able to see exactly where where the where the active uh, active components of the fire are, but it's going to going to show us. Uh, where where the impact areas are, or what's formally referred to as a, as a heat perimeter, uh, which, which really defines uh, you know these are areas that that are burning or, or have burned uh, through through a fire event. So so it's really it's it's about taking taking advantage of, of the strengths of of each sensor, uh, applying that and, and bringing bringing that together into into a common framework. So it takes these images and this data and it feeds it into an AI system where machine learning is used to analyze it. What can you tell me about that process and the system that is itself used to make sense of all these images that you're getting? Yeah, well, so it's, uh, I'll say it's, you know, the machine learning uh, aspect of it is is really, uh, you know, pretty pretty standard uh, kind, kind of machine learning. Uh, uh, you know, and it really depends again on on the sensor. In some some cases, where you know this is as simple as a, as a random forest uh, type type model, uh, but but it's really you know we've we've gone through the, this process of uh, developing out these algorithms and, and and testing a number of or you know take take a take a given sensor, uh, you know build up uh, training data 
to say, well, you know, th these are the components that we're, we're interested in. And, and those components really uh, factor into, uh, you know, th these mapping standards I referred to uh, earlier. Uh, and, and that's that's really about uh, in, intense heat or the fire line, uh, you know, the active fire front, uh, the uh, scattered heat, uh, which is kind of those areas behind that that active fire front, uh, the the heat perimeter that that I mentioned, and, and spot fires. Uh, so that's a, another another important component. Uh, so anyway, so so every every sensor has got to get a little bit unique uh, algorithm approach to it, really just to to, to you know whatever whatever's giving us the, the best accuracy. Uh, so, so we're going going back then and uh, doing doing those QA assessments before we've we've uh, built those in into our uh, operational pipeline. We're speaking with Andre Coleman, who is a data scientist at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. And so, as far as storing it goes, um, you said that it was a cloud storage that took care of all that data. Um, and what can you tell me about that aspect and how you maintain? You know, because I imagine the images, you know, are updated at some point or, you know, what? how do you go about um, picking which sets of data to hold on to? Yeah, so so the entire system that we built is is entirely cloud based. And and so uh, effectively, the way that this works is uh, we rely on uh, uh, web services uh, from the National Interagency Fire Center who, who has, uh, you know, defined that, that there's a there's a fire in this location. Uh, they they also go through and do their uh, uh, do their airborne uh, mapping uh, there. So so we 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 pull that data uh, as well, and that that really helps us to define you know the, these are the extents that we're looking at, and we really pull that right for every for every fire in the U.S. Uh, right now. Then that that goes into a queue, uh, in which then we're we're out looking for uh, any of the satellites that we have have configured. Uh, we're out looking for for that available data. So so once once a, a sat collects uh, over one of our areas of of interest, then then that data is is retrieved, uh, goes through through a pre-processing step before <coughs> uh, being run through the algorithms. And and part of the part of the algorithm uh, piece here, I should note, is that uh, I mean all all the processing is is image based. Uh, but you know really in order to to transmit that data as, as an image is just just too large. And and so everything gets gets vectorized uh, using using standard standard GIS uh, you know formats, uh, and and all that that vector based data then is is pushed into uh, an open source uh, Geo server, uh, and then and then you have a, a an endpoint there where uh, you know really anybody from from the public can can tap into those web services and and pull uh, pull those data products down. And so you can do things like you know search search for a specific a specific fire specific times uh, just give me the latest uh, and, and really the idea uh, around that and, and building a whole API uh, around this is that uh, you know in in talking to uh, the wildland uh, fire community there's a lot of uh, different ways in in, uh, in in which that data is used and so we didn't want to you know prescribe a workflow for anybody. Uh, but really just be able to make that that data available so they can they can ingest that into the workflow. I love it when my guests provide a perfect segue because my next question was going to be, what have you heard from these incident response teams that are actually on the ground fighting these things? Um, I imagine you know this is a great help, but um, you know what what else what other kind of feedback have you gotten? Yeah, great question. Uh, so I'll, I'll say in general, uh, whether it's wildfire or uh, you know flood response, hurricane response, 
uh, a disaster manager is uh, really presented with with a lot of uh, information in which they they need to make uh, decisions about uh, allocating resources or uh, understanding you know about search and rescue or evacuations what what have you. Uh, so there is, I'll say, uh, you know, a, a level of trust that needs to come over time with with any data product, and to say, you know, and that that really comes with with uh, a disaster manager or incident commander uh, experience with with a given data product. So uh, th this year was was really the first year and opportunity we had to uh, really push these these products out, uh, and we were fortunate to uh, have have a great contact within uh, the Forest Service, uh, who was able then to uh, push some of these data products to more progressive uh, incident commanders, such that you know th these are folks that are willing to uh, look at and evaluate some some newer newer technology products and and see maybe how how that would work within. Uh, within their their incident command structure and and really just understand how that's going to be of, of benefit to them uh, on these fires. And so uh, right now we haven't gotten uh, a lot of feedback from uh, you know from folks, but but you know overall I I would say that uh, these uh, incident commanders were were really impressed by the level of detail and some of the uh, some of the timeliness in which they were able to get data products. And, and, a, and a big part of that that I didn't didn't mention earlier is that uh, so National National Interagency Fire Center uh, has has aircraft that that will go out uh, on a nightly basis and 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 try to hit as many of these fires and image as many of these fires as they can in a in a night. Uh, you also have states like like California and Colorado that that own their own aircraft and, and can do that. Uh, but even even then, uh, you often uh, run into a case where, uh, you know, fires uh, that are maybe a little bit lower priority uh, just aren't aren't able to get that imaging support, and and so you may you may be days without without any uh, aerial mapping over over your fire, and and so you're having to to rely on kind of more uh, you know di different methods right to to map out those those fire extents. Without, uh, so oh, and all those imagings are, are happening uh, overnight, and and so with with you know the use of, of satellite uh, here, we're we're not only getting sun sun synchronous uh, coverage at more in you know in the ten thirty to to noon uh, local time range, uh, but uh, with, with other sensors such as the International Space Station, we're we're getting sometimes three three collects a day uh, over that at, at various times, uh, and and so that that's been been found to be really beneficial. Uh, where where we're going from, you know, at best case once a day collect to, uh, to sometimes three three four uh, collects in in a day, uh, kind of scattered around the around the clock. Uh, so that that's been that's been really beneficial. Uh, we we've also heard from from folks just about the the level of detail uh, that, that's coming out from 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 our analytics, and uh, so. The, the satellites that we're using, we're, we're really trying to target uh, towards a 30-meter ground sample distance uh, and, and less. And in some cases, some of the satellites are a bit more, some some are less. But uh, you know that that's kind of that level of detail where where we can pick up on on spot fires and uh, really try and assess you know well which, which side of the road is that is that fire actually on. Uh, since those roads are often used as, as fire breaks, so if you're 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 getting a fire starting 
something on the other side of the road that you didn't want to. That, that's good information to have. For sure. And I'm curious, with all the international partnerships that it takes to gather this kind of data, um, have any um, other countries asked if they are, I mean, you know, it's open to the public, but have they any specifically reached out to the lab um, asking for help in dealing with their own disasters? So at this point, uh, we have not. I mean, we have had some some international uh, kind of media coverage uh, on, on the capability. And, you know, and, but this is also, you know, very much in, intentional on, on our part, uh, you know, as, as we're designing the system, really relying on the set of uh, satellite-based sensors and in, in that, you know, the system really can be applied uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, so if, you know, if, there, if there's a need in, uh, uh, you know, the, this winter in Australia or, you know, other areas in the world, uh, you know, the, these same sets of sensors and same sets of algorithms can, uh, you know, go, go through and, and aid uh, in, in the analytics for those those fires. It's probably no, no surprise, uh, but the, you know, kind of kind of long uh, long-term trends of, of fire, uh, in, in particular, uh, uh, you know, th- those trends are increasing, uh, not, not necessarily having, uh, uh, more individual fires, but those, those fires themselves are, are burning larger, uh, larger areas. Uh, you know, we hear about this in the news every year. Um, you know, th- this year with, with the, uh, extreme droughts in, in the Western U S we, we saw a lot, lot earlier, uh, outbreaks of, uh, of fires. Uh, in fact, in, in, in Arizona alone, uh, this year, there were, uh, uh, 311, uh, early season fires compared to 127, uh, early season fires, uh, the, in, in 2020. And, and so we, we start to see these, these trends, right. Where, where things are, things are happening uh, earlier, uh, to more extreme. Uh, so, you know, it, it's really, uh, it's really up to us, right. To, uh, Kind of pull the the tools and technology that we can to, to help help assess uh, these fires. I mean, it really really requires a, a higher cadence and, and finer scale kind of information to you know be able to to manage the, these events more more effectively. Andre Coleman is a senior data scientist with the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. That's going to do it for this edition of the Space Hour. If you missed any of our interviews, you can find them all on our website at federalnewsnetwork.com. Just search Space Hour. They're also available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Appreciate you joining us today. We'll see you next month for another episode of the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White.